Welcome to Kevin Connors podcast. This series of messages on the book of Ezekiel were recorded in Malaysia in August 2010. Be sure to get a copy of Kevin's newly released commentary on the book of Ezekiel, available in paperback and ebook formats from Amazon.com and as an immediate PDF download from kevinconnor.org forward slash shop. Are you surviving all right? Still smiling? All right, now I want you to turn in your, uh, in your book here to page uh, 666. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, page 14, page 14. All right, now we particularly want to look at, uh, in, a, in a, a moment here, a little bit, bit more time on it, Ezekiel's call and commission. I just need to uh, say a couple of things here anyway about uh, the first few parts. Okay, so book of Ezekiel and the main thing we're looking at in our second session is call and commission. And uh, there's lots of lessons for us uh, as believers and leaders and in the church here. All right, so number one, we've already looked at author and writer. Uh, Number two, we've already... Uh, recommended time written and then number three I'd like you to put this down either next to it or on another piece of note the historical setting Ezekiel is in Babylonian captivity so today we'd say Iraq or in all in that area so he's been taken from Jerusalem to uh, Babylon in fact you might like to put this down some of the uh, expositors have put it this way there were three major prophets that were involved in this period of time. There was Jeremiah, and then Ezekiel, uh, and then Daniel. So listen to uh, how some of the expositors put it. Jeremiah is the uh, prophet representing the father. Ezekiel is, uh, or Daniel is the prophet representing the son, because he has visions of the son of man and the kingdom of God. And Ezekiel is the prophet of the Holy Spirit. As I said before, there's more references to uh, the Holy Spirit in the book of uh, Ezekiel than any other of the major and minor prophets. So let me say that again. Uh, Jeremiah representing the Father, the prophet of the Father, and the word of the Father. And uh, Daniel, the prophet of the Son, speaking about the Son of Man and the Kingdom. And then Ezekiel, the prophet representing the Holy Spirit, more references to the Holy Spirit uh, in Ezekiel than any of the other major and minor prophets. So uh, notice that Jeremiah is prophesying in Jerusalem about the time that the city is destroyed and the temple is destroyed. So you've got to look at these prophets and their relative ministry. So Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, uh, he's up in Jerusalem. And he sees Nebuchadnezzar come in and destroy the city and the temple. And then Daniel is down in Babylon. And he's uh, a palace slave, but he he gets promoted there. But he has visions of the kingdom of God. So God has his witnesses. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word been established. But then Ezekiel, uh, he's in Jerusalem, then taken to Babylon. And uh, he has his own house uh, and everything there in Babylon. So those three prophets... Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel uh, in that order. Okay, so the historical setting from Jerusalem to Babylon. And uh, we can say this safely here that, you know, when we look at the whole Middle East situation, the city of Jerusalem, I'm going to be dealing a little bit more with that later on, and and Iraq or Babylon, uh, they're coming into very great prominence and uh, they're going to be more prominent in the days that lie ahead. In fact, uh, we could put it this way. The Bible is actually a tale of two cities. When Babylon was up, Jerusalem was down. When Jerusalem was up, Babylon was down. But they both are, no, they, they are the two major cities in the book of Revelation. So they're coming in. Jerusalem's a hot potato. Babylon's a hot potato. Uh, Iraq. So these things are all very relevant to us today. All right, number four. Uh, I've sort of covered a bit of this. The prophet Ezekiel, his name, we've looked at, strengthened of God. Uh, under letter B here, just briefly, we'll, we're spending more time down the bottom here. Uh, he's son of a priest. 
So though he's a priest and born into the priestly line, there's no temple to minister in. I want you to go to a prophecy that's given to Ezekiel uh, uh, about the temple, almost a peculiar prophecy unless you understand the setting. Ezekiel chapter 11. Ezekiel chapter 11. So remember that Ezekiel is a priest and by all rights he should have been a priest ministering in the temple but the temple is being destroyed the city is being destroyed Jerusalem is being destroyed so he can't fulfill his ministry. So what does the Lord give to uh, Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 11 and verse 16 and this must have been a comfort to the remnant uh, that were scattered you know in the different nations and particularly those in Babylon captivity. So in verse 16 it says, Therefore say, Thus saith the Lord God, Although I have cast them far off among the heathen, and although I have scattered them among the countries, note the emphasis, yet will I be to them as a little sanctuary in the countries wherewith they shall come. Let me read from New King James. Uh, therefore say, Thus saith the Lord God, although I have cast them far off among the Gentiles, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet I shall be a little sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. So you put yourself in their position. The city is destroyed, the temple is destroyed, the glory of God is departed, we're scattered. What are we going to do? God says, doesn't matter where you go, whatever country you're in, I'm going to be to you a little sanctuary. See, in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is our sanctuary. He's our tabernacle. The Word was made flesh and tabernacle among us. So I have an altar of incense in my heart wherever I go. Pray any time. I can lift my hands in worship to the Lord because it's all in Him. It's no longer in a place, it's in a person. Can you say amen? amen. So not in a place. And see, they've got no place, but it's all in a person uh, the Lord in the, here, I will be to them a sanctuary. So they feel we've got no sanctuary, we've got no temple, we've got nothing now. And the Lord says, I'm going to be that to you. You'll find it in a person, not in a place. That's it. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, D, I've already referred to that. He's a captive at Babylon. Uh, marriage state. Um, go to your notes in your book here. Um, and uh, personally, when I read through the prophets, I always feel sorry for them. Let's see. Um, go to page, uh, yeah, page um, five. And we're looking at letter E and letter H. So uh, under E, on page five, we find that Ezekiel was married, but when Jerusalem was destroyed, uh, his dear wife took a stroke and died. And he was not allowed to mourn over her. What a, what a grief because God is trying to demonstrate how he feels about Jerusalem when the city was destroyed and the temple destroyed. So uh, I've got Ezekiel's wife was taken away in a stroke in the year of the final siege of Jerusalem. He is forbidden of the Lord to mourn for her though he loved her. He obeyed the word of the Lord thus depicting the fact that Jehovah, as Ezekiel, loved his people, Judah and the temple as the sanctuary, and she, as the desire of his eyes, was taken away as in a stroke under the Babylonian captivity. Uh, what, what a grief that must have been. And then under letter H, the next part, we've got F here, Ezekiel's house. Ezekiel, so you think Daniel's in the palace, uh, prophesying, having visions and interpretations, so forth. Ezekiel had a house at Talabib, Hill of Cornea is a few miles from Babylon itself, down by the river uh, Chebar, which branched off the river Euphrates above Babylon, which was the glory kingdom of the ancient world. It seems that Ezekiel's house became a meeting place for those who believed the word of the Lord through the prophet priest. There was a home in Babylon where the word of God could flow in free course. It was the mercy of God to grant his word even under Babylonian conditions unto his people. So we find in Ezekiel chapter 8, 1, the elders would come down uh, to Ezekiel's house and have a bit of a house meeting there. 
All right, now I want you to go, you can close your text on that part and go back to uh, whatever page we were on. What page were we on? Yeah, 14. Was it 14? Yes, 14. Thank you. So let's uh, go to that. And I want you to uh, fill in some things here. Now, though I've got the uh, letter A, B, C, and D, I actually want to give you seven major things or eight major things uh, that were given to Ezekiel in his call and commission. And I want you to look at uh, some of the scriptures with me. So let's go to uh, letter A or number one. It'll be, I wouldn't mind if you change it to number one. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel chapter 1. Now, what you're going to find here, there's actually a progression, I believe, and uh, uh, what I've done, and we won't have time to do that tonight, but I'll find nearly all these things are mentioned in the, in the early church in the book of Acts. So let's go through some of it here. All right, Ezekiel chapter 1, and uh, I'm going to read a few verses here first of all, uh, 1 through to 3. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, notice he's very specific, the 30th year in the fourth month on the fifth day of the month. So he's got the day, the month, and the year. As I was among the captives by the river Chebar, number one, that the heavens were opened. I'll come back to that in a moment, but if you mark your Bible, the heavens were opened. I'm going to comment on that. Number two, and I saw visions of God or vision of God. In other words, we'll do it a bit more, but if there's no open heaven, there's no vision of God. See, open heaven precedes vision. Okay, I'll come back to that in a moment. On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth uh, year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came specifically. Number three, the word of the Lord. Okay, expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, uh, Buzai in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chiba. And number four, the hand of the Lord was upon him there. I want you to pick up those first four things here. So number one, the heavens were opened. Number two, Visions of God. Number three, uh, the word of the Lord expressly. And then number four, the hand of the Lord was upon him. All right, now let me give you some scriptures here. This is really important uh, to note in his call and commission as a prophet of God. And uh, as I said in the New Testament, all these things are mentioned in the book of Acts in the early church, which we should be experiencing so number one, the first thing, or letter A, is open heavens. The heavens were opened. Now, this is what I believe as you study the Bible, and I've got a lot of years behind me, that when God created uh, Mr. and Mrs. Adam, how many of you know it was Mr. and Mrs. Adam before the fall? Hands up. How many don't know it? Hands up. How many haven't got a hand, hands up? How many got a lying spirit? Okay. Uh, just for those who are looking at me like a cow looking at new gate, Gen Genesis chapter 5 verse 1 says, uh, God blessed them in the day that they were created and, and called their name Adam. So before the fall, it was Mrs. Mrs. Adam. See, it was after the fall, Adam named his wife Eve. See, when my wife married me, she took my name and my money. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so before the fall, it was Mr. and Mrs. Adam. And uh, after the fall, Adam called his wife's name Eve, which was the name of faith, really. Well, I'm just digressing here. How many believe that Adam and Eve will be in heaven? Hands up. How many don't believe it? Hands up. How many are still chicken? <laughs> Let me catch you, anyway. Okay, I personally believe they will be in heaven. I'll tell you why, just so then we'll get back to this. That... Um, that when they bombed out and messed us all up, uh, how many think, uh, you see, Eve was the, the first sinner. Do you think she was the worst or the, just the first? Who was the worst sinner, Adam or Eve? 
Listen to the women here. Okay, Let, let's balance out. So I'm still friends with all the ladies and all friends with all the men. Okay, I'm safe. I've learned to walk these and that's why I have a bulletproof vest on. Okay. Uh, Eve was deceived. Adam was not deceived. Adam sinned knowingly and willfully. And that's why the Bible says, if we'd written the Bible, some of us male chauvinists, not me, we would have said, by one woman sin entered the world. Paul says, by one man sin entered the world. Amen. So... <laughs> come out in Jesus' name. I'll see you afterwards. Uh, with permission of your husband, with the laying of the hands. <laughs> All right. Okay, anyway, so now why did I say all that for? It was very good. Anyway, so the, the, the worst sinner was the man. Okay, so that's why the buck is put on us. All right, now, when they sinned, uh, they got into the fig leaf department suit. You know, they joined the greenies. <laughs> and uh, uh, how many know this verse or know the full verse? Uh, most preachers quote it. Uh, and they only quote part of it. it says, All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Everybody know that verse? Do you know the rest of the verse? Most preachers don't. Here's the rest of the verse All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf. So their fig leaf would have eventually faded, and they would have had to get a new bikini suit. <laughs> now, when God came on the scene, some of you are still looking at me, aren't you? you know. <laughs> when God came on the scene and he called Adam, where are you, what, what fig tree are you hiding behind? The very fact that Adam and Eve were willing to accept the coats of skin provided through the death of an innocent victim, the body and blood of an innocent victim, shows that they were saved by faith. Because they could have said to God, hey God, we're in the greenie movement. We love our fig leaf bikini suits. But they were willing to lay aside the fig leaf because it was a self-covering, self-righteousness, trying to make themselves acceptable to God. All our righteousness, filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf. That would have happened. But they were willing to lay that aside, accept the coats of skin provided through the body and blood of an innocent victim the innocent died for the guilty. Wow, they witnessed the, th the first death, which was the penalty upon them. Anyway, so that's that. I won't charge you for that. All right, now, I said all that to say this, that before the fall, God used to walk in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve, you know, we'll call them Adam and Eve, Mr. and Mrs. Adam, and have fellowship. And what I believe is that they had open heavens, there was communion between God, uh, the Creator, and man, and the woman, the Created. Perfect fellowship. But you see, the moment entered, sin closed the heavens. Now, put down a couple of scriptures. We haven't got time to turn to it. Sorry about that. That's your job. Um, in, let's see, where I have that there. Okay, let's see. Uh, yes, here's the scriptures. In Deuteron I'll give you the scriptures first and make the comment. Deuteronomy 28, 23. Deuteronomy 28, 23. Leviticus 26, 19. Leviticus 26, 19. And 1 Kings 8. Let me say those scriptures again quickly. Deuteronomy 28, 23. Leviticus 26, 19. 1 Kings 8. And this is what it says. God said to Israel, If you do not obey my voice, then the heavens over you will be brass. And brass is the symbol of judgment against sin. So you see, before the fall, there was open heavens, communication between God and man. But God said to Israel, illustrating that if you do not obey my voice, and Adam and Eve fail to obey his voice, then the heavens over you will be as brass, or they will be as iron. Uh, you know, I come from the dark ages, you know, I'm an old man, 
But uh, has anybody ever said, you know, they've said to me, how's your prayer life going? I say, oh, the heavens are just like brass. Anybody, does anybody, are you all that chicken here, you never use that expression? <laughs> oh. Oh, you did? Yeah. That puts you in my box. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, and be praying and just so how hard to get through to God because the heavens were like brass. And see, that's what happened with Israel. So the heavens became brass uh, because of their sin. Now, listen to some of those right here on earth. Uh, I, I'll have to give you some scriptures here. There's too many. But for those who are a bit more studious, go through the concordance on open heavens. Let me give you some examples of those who had it. Um, Genesis chapter 32, verse 12. Genesis 32, verse 12. Jacob experienced heaven open. I saw heaven open and angels of God descending and descending on a stairway. Jacob's ladder, we call it. Open heavens. So he's just an ordinary person like us, but he's a believer and he has open heavens. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 1, I've given you verse 1. Ezekiel, as a prophet of God, he had open heavens. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. Matthew 3, verse 16. When Jesus came out of water baptism, the heavens were open to him. And the Spirit of God descended like a dove upon him. And he heard a voice saying, the voice of the Father, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Open heavens. Let me give you a couple more. In fact, let, let, let's turn to this one. Are you doing okay? You've got to think fast. I was born in a hurry, so I've got to talk fast. <laughs> Don't want you asking for a refund. Turn over quickly to John chapter 1, just to give you the idea. John chapter 1. Don't you think the Word of God's exciting? Okay, John chapter 1, and we'll pick up in verse uh, 49. John 1, uh, 49. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, because uh, Jesus just said, I saw you under the fig tree. Uh, why the fig tree? Because that's where Adam and Eve got their fig leaf bikini suit from. Um, uh, Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And in verse 51, Jesus actually gives the interpretation of Jacob's ladder in Genesis 28. And he said to him, Most assuredly, or verily, verily, I say to you, hereafter you will see heaven open. Jacob saw heaven open. And the angels of God, or Jacob saw the angels of God. And note the language, ascending and descending, coming, uh, going up and coming down. Jacob saw the angels not descending and ascending, but ascending and descending. But notice the change now. Jesus said, you'll see heaven open, angels of God ascending and descending upon not Jacob's ladder, but the one who Jacob's ladder pointed to, the Son of Man. That's worth a little baby hallelujah. Don't get too emotional. <laughs> hallelujah. Because you see, sin brought a gulf between heaven and earth and God let the ladder down, the ladder of redemption. And when we come to Christ, we begin at the lowest rung, repentance. And step by step, I'm climbing Jacob's ladder because Jesus is at the top. Amen? That's a tremendous picture we have. Heaven open. Okay, one more scripture. That's enough on that. But it's a, it's a wonderful theme. Uh, so John 1, 51, Nathaniel will see heaven open. Um, uh, just one other one here. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, verse 56 to 59. Acts 7, verse 56 to 59. And Stephen, while he's being stoned, and in Australia we have to qualify that, he's not being stoned on LSD. Okay. Uh, you, you get it just... Just to make sure with the hippie Bible that's out, you've really got to qualify things around here. So what, is, what happened? Stephen said, I see heaven opened and the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. They couldn't handle it. Open heavens. And these were just ordinary people. So what I'm saying, because I want to make this as practical as possible, not just information but formation, 
We as a church and as a people of God, we need open heavens. And the only thing that closes the heavens against us is sin, or un, 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 undisciplined sin. We just need to have open heavens. How many can say amen? amen? All right, so number one, open heavens. Number two, out of open heavens came vision of God. So Ezekiel saw, this is his call and commission. He sees number two, visions of God or vision of God uh, arising. So arising out of open heavens comes visions of God or a vision of God. The margin says no open heavens mean no vision from God. The second, the vision is totally dependent upon the first. Vision comes out of open heaven. And we're sorry to say this, but many churches, as I referred to the, uh, before, you know, in denomination, they lack vision, they have no vision, got no sense of direction. There's just like a smorgasbord going somewhere to, you know, happen, whatever will be. Uh, turn over to one scripture on this. Uh, I'll give you a couple. First Peter chapter, uh, I'm sorry, First Samuel, <laughs> that's better. First Samuel, chapter, chapter 3 and verse 1. First Samuel, chapter 3, verse 1. And this is uh, such a powerful scripture. Uh, and it says, I'll read it from Old, old Authorized and then um, New King James. It's here. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. You, King James, puts it this way. Now, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare, precious, scarce in those days. There was no widespread revelation. I like the old authorized on that. There was no open vision. And uh, here's uh, the young boy Eli, sensitive to the voice of the Lord. Eli, his eyes are waxing dim. It's a, it's a, it's a physical, symbolic situation. Physically he's going blind, but spiritually he's blind. And the, and the Lord came and, and called Eli, uh, uh, called Samuel, pardon me, and Samuel is sensitive to the Lord, rushes into Eli and said, here I am, you call me. And what is the old preacher who's lost the plot? Says to uh, Samuel, go back to sleep, I didn't call you. And then the Lord calls again, Samuel, Samuel. And he ran into Eli and he said, go back to sleep. Like a lot of the old preachers have lost the touch of the Holy Spirit. Lost that anointing. No vision. Okay. God help us. Then he woke up. I wonder, I wonder how Eli felt. Here we are, both in the same meeting, both in the same tabernacle. Samuel hears the voice of the Lord. God bypasses me. I don't hear a thing. Wow. And because I'm an old man, I've been around the traps. I see so many ministers today. They've just lost the plot. No vision. No open heavens. Help us. Why don't you put down famous scripture, Proverbs 29, verse 18. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And I like some of the translations I've got here. Uh, the New American Standard Bible. Where there is no vision, no revelation, the people are unrestrained. Uh, NIV those who've got NIV, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Uh, the New American Bible, where without prophecy, the people become demoralized. So there must be a progressive vision. And I like the Swedish translation, which says, without a progressive vision, people dwell carelessly. So open heavens leads to vision. Uh, one other scripture you can put down, Acts 26, verse 19. Acts 26, verse 19, Paul says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So vision must originate with God. All right, number three, or let us see here. Notice the order here. I believe there's a divine order here. Open heavens, number one. Number two, visions of God. Number three, the word of the Lord came expressly or specifically. This expression... Word of the Lord, the first mention of it, first mention principle we'd say, Genesis 15 and verse 1 and 4. Genesis 15, verse 1 and 4. And we're taught, this is the first use of this expression. The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. 
Notice the two words, vision and word of the Lord. So the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. So it's a prophetic uh, formula, word of the Lord many times. In fact, uh, if I got the number right, word of the Lord is used some 253 times in the Old Testament. And in Ezekiel alone, it's used at least 60 times. Word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the word of the Lord. And you'll notice it came expressly or specifically. It, it came on a specific day, specific month and specific year. The 30th year, the month and the fifth day of the month. Um, when I was in Portland, I say many years ago, uh, when we had uh, visiting ministry and sometimes visiting prophets and where the Lord would come, we would encourage people uh, or get the, the prophecy transcribed because Paul says to Timothy, you're to war against by the prophetic word that's come over to you. And so we would give a copy to all the people and say, okay, this is the word of the Lord that came to us on a specific day, specific year, specific month. We need to be praying over this and warring a good warfare on it. So that's the, that's the order. So open heavens, visions of God, word of the Lord. The next thing I know, oh, why don't you put down, uh, yeah, we might be able to do this. Uh, let's turn over to the Gospels here. I'd like you to put down two scriptures. So the word of the Lord came. Uh, put down Mark chapter 4. And if you've got your Bible there, I'd like you to turn to it. Mark chapter 4. And uh, I also want you to look at Luke 8, 818. Okay, Mark chapter 4, so try and correspond. There's just one word that's different uh, in the Gospels here. So in Mark chapter 4, it says, uh, we'll pick up in verse uh, 23, and if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, take heed. What's the next word in your Bible? What? what? Everybody say what? what? So take heed, watch ye hear. With what measure ye measure, uh, or you use, it will be measured back to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. But correspond it with Luke chapter 8 and verse 18. And one, one, one different word here, and I would like you to say it out with me. So Luke 8 and 18, and it says here, Take heed therefore, what's the word, next word? How? Everybody say how. How, how ye hear, for whoever has, to him will be given, and whoever has not, from him shall be taken away that which he seems to have. Now, let me ask you a question. One, one time Jesus says, take heed what ye hear, and the next one he says, take heed how ye hear. What's the difference between the how and the what? All right, let me give you a brief definition. The what is the material you're listening to. What you're hearing tonight, you're hearing the what. But the how is the spirit and the attitude that you listen in. Because some people have been to meet, they're all in Australia, of course. Oh, I didn't get anything out the meeting. Well, what did you hear? How did you hear? Attitude. Okay? So, word of the Lord coming. And it comes to us week after week, Sunday after Sunday, everything. So, unto us who hear shall more be given. All right, number four, the next thing you've got here uh, is very significant, is the hand of the Lord. So open heavens, visions of God, word of the Lord came, and then we're told the hand of the Lord was upon him. Uh, for, the, for Ezekiel, you'll notice that this expression, the hand of the Lord was there upon him, is used at least seven times. I'm not going to give you all the references, Look up your own concordance. Why wear mine out? Okay, so it's a, it's a wonderful thing when the hand of the Lord comes upon us. Can you say amen tonight? Amen. So hand of the Lord. Uh, the hand of the Lord, uh, Ezekiel 3, 14 and 22 says, The hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Ezekiel 8, 1, you might like to put down. The hand of the Lord fell upon me there. So over and over again, the hand of the Lord... And in the early church, uh, what did they pray? They said, stretch forth your hand 
that signs and wonders may be done. And the number of the great number believed and turned to the Lord. And then the hand of the Lord was upon him. So think of the hand, fivefold ministry. We used to say the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. We'd say the governing ministry, the guarding ministry, the gathering ministry, the guiding ministry, and the, the little ear. Uh, the, the, this one can get into your ear here, uh, like the teaching ministry. Yeah, so just the hand of the Lord. So in the book of Acts, you see that they had visions of God. Uh, the word of the Lord came to them. Hand of the Lord was upon them. And open heavens. Yeah. All right, number five. Number five. Uh, the Spirit. I've already referred to this, but uh, why don't we go back to Ezekiel here? You got your Bible there? Let's turn to that verse. Ezekiel chapter 2. Ezekiel chapter 2. So we've looked at Ezekiel. In, in Ezekiel chapter 1, you have heavens opened, visions of God, word of the Lord, and hand of the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 2 now, and verse 1 and 2 it says, And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak to you. Then verse 2 says, then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet and I heard him who spoke. So the Spirit entered into me. I've already referred to Jeremiah, the prophet of the Father, Isaiah, the prophet of the Son, Ezekiel, the prophet of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit. And what's the book of Acts about? The ministry of the Holy Spirit. We call it the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. So when does the Spirit enter us? We're born again of the Spirit. We're filled with the Spirit. Can we say amen? amen. And uh, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, you might like to put down. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And so right through the book of Acts, totally depends upon the Holy Spirit. In fact, I prefer, rather than say the Acts of the Apostles, I like to say the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. The Holy Spirit's mentioned uh, some 26 times in the book. The Spirit said, the Spirit said, the Holy Spirit spake, the Holy Spirit said. Uh, there was total dependence upon the Spirit. So Ezekiel in his call and commission, he needs to have the Holy Spirit. Total dependence on the Spirit. All right, number uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, number six in your notes there. Notice uh, Ezekiel's fourfold commission. And I'd like you to turn over the next page. I think it is on that. His fourfold commission. And I've, I've given you the outline on this. It's a whole series in itself. Uh, number Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel is seen as the priest. So chapter fi uh, page 15 in your notes there. Ezekiel chapter 2, Ezekiel is seen as the prophet. So he's a priest prophet. And then Ezekiel 33, he's the watchman. And then Ezekiel 34, he's the shepherd. Now you'll notice the uh, interrelatedness yet, the distinction between priest, prophet, watchman, shepherd. The priest represents the inward approach to God. So as the priest goes or used to go into the temple before it was destroyed here. Uh, it's, the, uh, it's the inward approach. The priest is representing man to God. The prophet, it's the outward approach. He's representing God to man. So one's an inward approach, one's the outward approach. So priestly ministry, prophetic ministry. Then the watchman, he has both outward and inward approach. And when uh, inward approach. So uh, in that chapter I've given you there, Ezekiel 33, he's told to warn the wicked without and warn the righteous within. So both, it's inward and outward. So warn the wicked without, warn the righteous within. And then uh, the shepherding ministry, uh, it's, uh, it's inward to God and yet also to man. I, I, I am both a sheep and a shepherd. When I come out and to minister to you, I hope I'm, 
I hope I'm feeding you tonight. Am I choking you? Okay. Uh, so we come out as shepherds, but uh, when I go into God, what am I? I'm his little sheep, I say. And all the sheep said, Amen. Oh, they're doing pretty good, yeah, yeah. All, uh, all the sheep said, ah, man. All the, all the goats, they're the people who butt. We could do this butt. They're always butt, you know. But they're all in Australia again too. Okay. Now, you'll notice that these, you know, what happens to Ezekiel is just a shadow of what happens in the book of Acts. So in the New Testament church, you, I've put some scriptures there for those who are a bit more studious. We are called to be kings and priests unto God. We worship God as kings and priests. Isaiah 61 says, we are called the priests of the Lord. Then the churches have the prophetic spirit, the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, gifts of the spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, Ephesians 9 said, in the church, apostles and prophets. So these ministries continue. Watchmen. And, and Paul warns them in the book of Acts to the elders, you know, get, take heed to yourselves and to the flock of God, warning every man. Paul did it. And then the great shepherd chapters in the uh, New Testament, John chapter 10, the good shepherd, Acts chapter 20, the elders are the shepherd the flock of God, uh, feed the flock of God, not bleed them. So some, some ministers I tell when they say, I'm a shepherd, I say, no, you're a butcher. I said, what do you mean? I said, well, a shepherd uh, takes the wool off the sheep, uh, ties and offerings, <laughs> and he lets them, <laughs> lets them grow again. But I said, you're a butcher. You skin them alive. <laughs> Look at all the sheepskins hanging around your church wall there. And then Psalm 23. So when I go into the Lord and say, the Lord is my shepherd. Who cares for me? Well, the chief shepherd does. Everybody said, Amen. So fourfold commission, you can put that down. So the priest, the prophet, the watchman, and what was the last one? The shepherd, yeah. Okay, just a few more minutes and then we're just about done. Um, all right, so the Spirit of the Lord. All right, number, the next one here, his equipment, uh, letter G, or whatever your number up to there. Uh, I want you to put your yeah, number seven. I want you to turn to uh, Ezekiel chapter 2 and 3 here, chapters 2 and 3. What is, Ze what is Ezekiel's equi uh, uh, equipment now? Okay, let's turn to that. Okay, Ezekiel chapter, chapter 2. We'll go down to verse 9 and 10. Okay, so notice in chapter 1 the progression we're following open heavens, visions of God, word of the Lord specifically, hand of the Lord upon him. Chapter 2, the Spirit entered him. And now in chapter uh, uh, chapter 2 down to verse, let's go to verse, uh, verse, seven, uh, yeah, verse 7, all belongs here. You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. And we would like to look after a church like that. No response. Thank you. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Now when I looked, here, here it was, there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. Then he spread it before me, and there was writing on the inside and on the outside, and written on it were lamentations and mourning and woe. Continue on in chapter 3. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll, uh, or eat the book, eat the roll, eat the scroll, and go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that scroll, and he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I, gave, uh, that I give you. So I ate. And it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with me. Sweet as honey in his mouth, but it was bitter in his belly. Uh, the only book we're told to eat is this one. 
Eat the word. I've written 60 books and God hasn't read one of them. <laughs> but you must buy them, okay. <laughs> but we're to eat the word. And, and you see, uh, I had uh, in the New Testament, why, why don't you put this down? In fact, let's turn to it quickly. Just a few more minutes here. Go to Revelation chapter uh, 10. And this is the corresponding, corresponding uh, part in Revelation with John. Uh, Revelation chapter 10. And it says here, Revelation chapter 10, verse 8 to 10. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but will be sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. You know, the Bible has the most sweetest things in, and yet it has the most bitter things. You know, you know what I call the Bible? God's Chinese meal. <laughs> because it's sweet and sour. How do you think I know that? I had it today. I was taken out for lunch. Sweet and sour. So the Bible is sweet to hear about and enjoy, but when it gets working in your belly and you experience, it can be pretty tough. Thank you, Kim, for that good thought. So John is told to eat the book and prophesy. The Bible is the only book we are told to eat. Before we speak, we must be saturated with the Word. The Word must become flesh in us first. So the Bible has sweet and bitter things in it. Sweet to speak, bitter to experience. And so if we don't feed on the Word, this is our equipment, we've got nothing to say. Church and leaders need to eat the book, preach the Word. Put down one other scripture here and then we've got one other point here. John 6 verse 63. John 6 verse 63. And Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and life. And, the, the, you know, as a teacher, this is verse I constantly pray because, you see, Jesus said, The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and life. It's the spirit that gives life to the words. If there's no spirit, there's no life. It's just words. And the danger is a lot of preachers can multiply words and say nothing. But Jesus said, the words I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So I constantly pray that for the gathering tonight and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, may the words I speak, may you give life to the words. The spirit gives life to the words. And all of us as leaders and preachers, anyone involved, we need to pray that. How many can say amen? All right, then the last thing here as we finish, uh, Ezekiel uh, number H uh, in your outline there, his charge. What is the charge? Um, let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 2 as we finish here. And we're going to finish on time, so you'll be back on time. You'll be back before time tomorrow night, so we can start on time. I don't like people who come to work on time. They should be there before time so that they start on time. Thank you, Kevin, for that good thought. <laughs> okay. This is a tough job Ezekiel's got. Go down uh, chapter 2 again. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 6 to 8. And it says, um, oh, let's go back a little bit here. Oh, oh dear. Verse, verse 3. And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation that is rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day, for they are impudent and stubborn children. I'm sending you to them. And you will say to them, Thus says the Lord God, As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you and you dwell among scorpions, do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks. Now, I know you can't help your looks, but <laughs> I always look for somebody who's smiling. You know, okay. What a job. 
So he had to speak to a rebellious people. Wow. That was his charge. All right, I think we're just about done. So he says, hear what I say and speak my words to them. Speak whether they hear or forbear, whether they listen or not. Let's give you one more scripture and then that's it for tonight. Uh, we didn't have any more, did we, on the PowerPoint. I have power to point, but I'm no good on PowerPoint. I want you to turn to one more scripture and then that's it for tonight. Jeremiah chapter 1. And remember, Jeremiah is prophesying at the same time as Ezekiel is prophesying down uh, in, uh, in, in Babylon. Jeremiah's in Jerusalem and uh, Ezekiel's in Babylon. So in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse uh, 9 uh, or verse 8 it says, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So the mouth doesn't originate the words. Here it's God's words, but it's our mouth. So we have uh, divine sovereignty, my words, human responsibility, your mouth. So we just speak the words that God gives. We speak the word. Preach the word, Paul says. So he says in verse 10, See this day I've set you over the denominations, pardon me, uh, over the nations, and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, do all this devastating thing first, rooting out and pulling down, destroying, throwing down traditions, false concepts, ideas uh, that we have, which we're going to do somewhere in this uh, se seminar, and then to build and plant. Many times you can't build and plant truth until you root out and tear down some of our old traditions. How many like me? I've had a lot to unlearn and a lot to relearn and I'm still learning. How many like me on that? All right, how many of you feel you've got something tonight? All right, come back tomorrow night for this exciting episode and you'll be here before time so we can start on time because I finish on time. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching. Visit kevinconnor.org for more information.